Welcome to Western North London, where Arsenal can even batter them in their own home. I'm Caleb. <laughs> I'm Tim. I am happy to say that uh, Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. Yeah. And it, they don't even have to leave leave their own home. They they get beaten at the, what is it, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, that original name? I, I, I believe it's the Toilet Bowl is what ah, I think. Yes. That's right. That's the correct translation. <laughs> Thank you for putting that into plain English for me. Has your week been amazing? Because my week's been amazing. Ever since that game, I've just been on cloud nine. It, it, it's amazing how much that, that game just put a, a spring in my step. Yeah, it was absolutely the the way to start the week, really. I I felt like it was um it was nice to go into it without a feeling of like complete dread, like I was pretty confident. Mm-hmm. And to come out feeling even more confident. I mean, I feel <laughs> like I came out better than I even went into it, and that's saying something. So, um it's it is it is a nice feeling to uh not not feel like anybody's going to knock us down off this pedestal right now. It, 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 even with all those other factors, it, it, it feels like this was a game that Arsenal were in control of from the beginning, which is just such a, it, it, that, that sort of sets the tone, right? That mm-hmm. makes you feel pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I listened to several other uh, podcasts, soccer related throughout my week. And often I have this feeling of dread when I listen to him, cause I'm afraid of what they're going to say about Arsenal. And it was just great to be able to go and go be excited about my podcast coming out. Cause I'm like, I get to listen to it. all these people who aren't necessarily Arsenal fans saying nice things about Arsenal. It was a, yeah, good. Absolutely. Good week. Yeah, totally. Well, the, uh, the week could be even better by week's end we could have one of the best weeks in arsenal history Ooh. and i feel pretty confident in saying that that's a uh, a very strong outcome yes I, we will get to that yeah. but i i'm i'm feeling good about this whole week at this moment yeah. so i mean at the at it's been a long time since we've been 8 points clear this late in the season so it's a it's a, it's a good feeling mhm for sure All right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about between the two games. So let's get to drink of the week. What what do you have in your hand? I actually have a drink that we've had together when we went to uh, Michigan. Oh, This was gifted to a friend of mine at the bar. His name is Tim. Good name. (laughs) And he gave me a new glorious spotted cow from Wisconsin that I remember having when we were in... uh, uh, what city were we in in Michigan? Uh, Allendale, Allendale, or Michigan. Grand Rapids. Yes, either of those. And it's a, uh, it's kind of like Wisconsin's craft brew style. I'm trying to figure it. I'm, I haven't tasted it yet. I believe it is an IPA, as these things tend to be. Let me uh, give a quick taste, and I'll give you an answer. Sure. It is indeed not an IPA, but a uh, a, a lager. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> I maybe it's a little bit of me expecting a IPA and getting a lager that is. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember having this beer. Do you remember this? I it, the name sounds very familiar. It's fine. It's a, a craft brew lager. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, I, it's 
I don't know if it it's, doesn't sound that exciting. No, it's not that exciting. I was expecting something completely different. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll circle back to it. I'm a little disappointed right now, but uh, <laughs> I was maybe, so excited. Yeah, maybe you just need a minute to come off of the IPA train, and you'll you'll ca- you'll catch this one. This lager will, will grow on you. Yeah. What are you drinking? What's your? Uh... I'm tapping into my reserves. I still have. Well, I shouldn't say I still have. I I tend to have, um, these uh, session IPAs from Costco. Mm-hmm. They are, they're my go-to for when I need like a light drink because this is these are only four point nine. Oh, so I'm like, all right, that's that's perfect for most most average nights where I don't really need to be too crazy when I'm just having a beer with dinner or something. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a so Colshin up here in Bellingham just released a beer that I'm very excited to try. I've not tried it yet. It's called the uh, Brewers Beer, and it is a 2.5 IPA. Oh, yeah, interesting. What about a two? I I doubt I would feel that. Yeah, I mean that's Which kind of the, perfect. Kind of the point with it, specifically with the brewing beer, and if you're in the industry, you end up kind of drinking all day. Yeah. And so the idea of having a 2.5 where you could drink all day and not be a dummy by the end of the night is a great idea. So I'm very, I'm curious about it. So uh, uh, does a non-alcoholic beer, does that truly have zero alcohol in it? Zero-ish. From what I understand, there is like uh, some variation, but there, because like you, I don't know everything and I'm not an expert on non-alcoholic beers by any means, but... From what I understand, you do brew the beer and then there's a process of getting the alcohol out, but it's not 100%. Yeah. Again, it's, from what I understand, I'm not a... I figure it's like uh, when they decaffeinate coffee. You exactly. can't really get rid of all the caffeine. I think it's a similar process, actually. But uh, so when they say 0%, like, for example, I think we... I, I, I know I still have to ID someone for get, ordering a non-alcoholic beer. Mm, interesting. Well, the uh, that I don't I don't know what you call that half step up. I guess it, it is it's a brewer's variety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in, in Sweden, they actually have three classes of beer. You have class uh-huh. three, which is uh, above five percent, and then class two, which is uh, two to three percent, and then like class one, which is under two percent, and class two and one anyone can buy like you know if you're eight years old you can buy a class two beer in sweden uh-huh and it's only the uh, class three beer so they have like the different classes of beer oh that's interesting yeah well it's not like now an alcoholic beer seems to be taking off i feel like there's there's got to be a, a better space for that where more people can have access yeah you shouldn't be having to card people yeah yeah i don't know it's <laughs> I, from what I understand, it's, I mean, Washington laws are also weird about alcohol. Alcohol laws are weird anyways. I could, mm-hmm. We could have a whole co- podcast about how weird alcohol laws are. <laughs> We'd be in a totally different place. Yes. That's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we've got, uh, looks like we've got a Tim bit. And yes. I, what do you got for me this week? Well, uh, as I was rewatching the game, I remember this watching it live and being very weirded out by it. But uh, 
in the US stream of the uh, game, it wasn't the international stream, it was very specifically the Peacock stream of the game. There was about, what, 10 minutes of silence where the uh, the game was uh, stopped, or the game was still going, but the feed died through mm-hmm. Peacock. And so my question to you is, what do you think happened in those 10 minutes? Oh, so this is, okay. I understood it differently. Mm. Uh, it sounded like there was a local feed, mm-hmm. but not a worldwide feed. So all the other, everybody outside of the country could not see the game. Yeah. Um, and it was due to the Tottenham Stadium feed, like just totally <laughs> breaking. I was, I was saying there were rats chewing the, the, the cables in that stadium. That is a toilet yes. bowl. Yes. Um, it would not shock me. But the, yeah, they, they, uh, they, I would put it squarely on that stadium. They didn't get their, their IT right that day. Well, I was just wondering, like, on the field of play, though, what do you what do you imagine happened? What is your 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 dream of what happened in those ten minutes that we didn't get to see? Oh, I see, I see. Um, so this is when <laughs> this is when Ramsdale this is when Ramsdale started everything, and he <laughs> went. He was up on the wall, yeah, taunting the crowd like he left the field of play. And was up there and really just getting in the Tottenham fans' faces. Yeah, and did he kick a couple um, people? Like, yeah, like he was really starting shit, and uh, we never got to see that. So to us, it was, you know, it was clear that it was Tottenham that was causing all the problems, mm-hmm. and all he did was just walk over and grab his water bottle, and there yeah. was no, you know, that Richarlison guy. He had he had no business doing what he did. That's what we thought. Yeah. But during that silence, during that 10 minutes, that was when all of it went down. And so really they were justified. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Tottenham being Tottenham. It was uh in those 10 minutes, uh Ramsdale was doing some real winding up and we never saw it. So yeah. it totally tainted our view of things. Yeah, like he grabbed a puppy and spat in its face, like he uh Absolutely. Yeah. You know what he would get up to if nobody was watching. Yeah, exactly. That was I. I, I actually liked that quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it really, by the way, some of the pundits reacted to this. You would have thought that that was the case. Yeah, it, it was either Arteta. It was either Arteta or Ramsdale was doing something that mm-hmm. caused all this, and it was had nothing to do with it. The the fans or no, you know, the players on the field. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit during the game. But I, I, I like that because it, it was funny because when the feed came back on, the uh, U.S. announcers, the Peacock announcers said, well, you didn't really miss much. There wasn't anything yeah. that happened. So On the field, but on off the, the field. Off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was Ramsdale spitting puppies' faces, <laughs> causing problems. Well, we should we should postpone no longer. We've gotten... We've gotten into our main topics here, so let's let's get to what really happened in that game. <laughs> well, it, what happened is North London is red. Yeah, that that's the the end of the story, right there. Yes, um, I don't think there's any any doubt this time around. We've gotten we've got the receipts this season. 
<laughs> and so I think you you just have to you have to really look at this game and say, okay, well, at at this moment, Arsenal are really in the driver's seat in terms of this rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, all the the uh, talk going in, we mentioned it last podcast is Arsenal hasn't won. Since 2014, Arsenal's never won in the stadium. It was, yeah, form was looking like Arsenal could have an advantage, but it's Derby game. Da, da. And I think for the most part, Arsenal dominated the game, especially that first half. Looking over the game as a as a whole, that first half was all Arsenal's. And it was kind of lucky for Tottenham that it was only 2-0 at halftime. Right. It 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 never looked like they were in that game to me mm-hmm. i felt like that was clearly in in arsenal's control the the majority of it i think yeah that just a there was a chunk maybe in the second half they were more dangerous in the second half for sure but i felt like uh it it, it felt more like tottenham had a little bit more hope but then arsenal really didn't need to change their game that much it was it was something they were able to absorb and adjust to and um really just ride that game out. Well, I think this is a good time to actually bring up our predictions from last week, which is uh, we'll go to the card predictions first, which I believe you predicted eight cards and I predicted 10 cards. Uh And there are only six cards during the game. We overshot. We both would would not uh, have gotten it in prices right. Yeah. You can't can't overbid. And then the uh, score, you had a 1-1 with mm. who was it that you had scoring? You had Kane and Kedia scoring. I didn't put goal scorers, but I put three, two. And again, both of us were pretty wildly wrong. <laughs> Do not trust us. <laughs> we have no clue. But I think what it comes down to is I don't, Tottenham didn't play as hard as I thought they were. I thought it was going to be a very toughly fought game. I thought there was going to be a lot of, uh, I don't know, just things going on in the game. And by the, uh, the lack of real cards and until Richarlison came on, I think there was a lot, there wasn't really any fight from Tottenham. Mm -hmm. And that really surprised me as an overall just kind of view of the game. Yeah. I felt like it was, it was all Tottenham, uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it, it it felt like it was all Arsenal, and then yeah, it, it even with the little bit of uh fight that they were able to muster, I just felt like the way Tottenham sets up just bugs me because you just mm-hmm. know it's not it's not going to be the type of battle you want to see. I it it doesn't. I mean. It, it benefited us because we were able to play right through it, but it, it's not really fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's gross. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and especially I, I know they have pretty talented players. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really translate well. Um, but it, it didn't really matter what they were doing. I felt like we were playing our game and that was, that was the most important part to me is showing up to a, a opponent stadium and really just being doing our game plan, playing the way we wanted to play. And it never felt like we were uh, daunted by the moment. Like Arsenal really just looked in in the um, comfort zone from the beginning. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I don't watch 
a ton of Tottenham games on purpose. Every once in a while, I'll throw them on, but I have a, I don't really enjoy watching their games. But I now understand why their fan base is pretty upset because that that team didn't really feel like they were offering much. Like it's a pretty predictable game plan. It's like get it to Son or uh, Kane, get them to score or nothing, and you know play a very dire first half and then try and fix it, which has been their mo for the last six seven games. They've come back and in a lot of other games against other opponents, they've uh, made it work. But I don't think it's a winning strategy. It's not a, a top four strategy. It is a strategy. And I can see why they're, they're, their fans are upset. It is it is nice to watch them implode a little bit on the fan side. Mm-hmm. And even from the... It sounded like the um, Tottenham... Uh, was it the Supporters Trust was asking for... They they were asking for some sort of uh, statement from the board mm-hmm. to understand what their stra- their strategy was, and uh, it sounds like they're getting some pressure. Like that's oh, it, I, it, it is nice to see that it it's catching up a little bit. My my favorite thing, or one of my favorite things of the game, my favorite thing was to see the first goal. But my uh, my one of my favorite things of the uh, of the game was to see at. Towards the end, it wasn't, it was, I think it was like the 80th minute. It wasn't even at the end, but seeing the Tottenham fans walk out of the stadium, mm-hmm. that's just, that just warmed my heart in so many ways. Well, you see, it's such a stark contrast from even the traveling fans for Arsenal who were mm-hmm. loud and behind the team. And it just sounded like they were in completely different places in terms of the fan sentiment over. I mean, it's not like Tottenham's out of it, but yeah. they, I think they are fed up with just years of kind of treading these same waters. It it does. And I've heard this from other podcasts I listen to, uh, that it, it is, it does feel like where Arsenal was like three years ago. It was, mm-hmm. it feels like the end of the Emery era Arsenal where the fans are just tired of this and it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere and there's it it's nice to be on the other side of this and be a uh, fly on the wall or a uh, really annoying mosquito on the wall seeing uh seeing this happen and and the most beautiful part of this is that we're not even the finished product yet we're yeah. just further along in the the process than some of these other teams and have figured out at least some path whereas you're you're seeing the scattershot approach of Chelsea where they are kind of having to go out and buy everyone they can without any real cohesive strategy from what, for what most people can tell. And so it, it, that's, that's one way to, to, to go about it. But if you um, look at the, that same sort of thing that uh, has affected Man United, their rebuild, it's like you get saddled with these overpriced players that really don't get you where you want to go without a cohesive strategy. And, We've seen um, how going out and getting Ronaldo didn't really mm-hmm. do the trick, and and so they had to buy him out, and and so they they've found ways to kind of keep in the mix, and and you see Tottenham kind of doing the same thing, but they're not really making those leaps forward that you would expect with the amount of money that they're putting into, and and for Tottenham, just years and years of kind of coaching turnover, player turnover, 
you've had Kane and Son through their best years and haven't been able to really make that into a a, 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 a dynasty or any sort of consistent approach. And like, I think I would be really fed up if we had gone through Emery and gone through a couple more coaches and hadn't gotten anywhere. I mean, like, could you remind me in Tottenham's like quote unquote best years in the last 10 years, how many trophies have they won? Nothing. They got nothing to show for it. Yeah. I mean, for all the work that they've done for their best times that they've had in their champions league run and, um, just, they don't, they don't get anywhere. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I, I we should talk about Arsenal players, but it, 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 I was just actually recently going through a couple of teams, like just where their trophies were and how long it's been since they won trophies. And it, it's just shocking because people really do. I think the media has shooted Tottenham as this team that has done a lot in the last like five, six years. And yeah, they've made a couple of finals. They made that Champions League run, but they have nothing to show for it. Yeah, they've got a couple. Do they? They have a second place league finish, right? I'm not even sure if they have that because it was the uh, the year. Um, I think it was uh, Chelsea won it, and we ended up getting second place that year because they just blew up. But they they do have very little to show for this, like quote unquote, like you know, top part of it they've been consistently in champions league for the last like four years five years but i don't remember the highest the highest they've finished recently was second in uh 2016 17 but yeah i mean so we know that they have not in a good place and I think really the way Arsenal played, it, it showed that they don't really have answers for the the type of football that we're playing. Like that there's really just uh a lot of, of cohesiveness that you see in Arsenal right now is not evident on the, the Tottenham side because they seem to not really uh know what to do with the ball at times as as far as creating chances for themselves. And um talking about the first goal with Saka, I mean, really just creating something out of nothing. And then he is, he has consistently found his way into those spaces and get in most games. He finds his way into those spaces. What, what seems to be a, a good trend is him like just taking shots and trying to put the ball in dangerous areas. And amazingly, this, this is one of those that you think it would be an easy, easy save for Lloris, but, I don't know. I don't know what you call that. I, I saw some. I saw some Tottenham fan say it's a conspiracy. That it was rigged because you just watched Larice <laughs> throw it into the into the goal. Well, I mean, like you, you look at that play, and you, you you know, like I've I've watched that goal several times, and when you look at it, you know it's not a shot. What Saka is doing is try and cross it in, and it deflects off Sasignon, who was definitely out of position when Saka got the ball. He made a run back uh, and tried to do it. And Saka was trying to cross it in. And then it just got slightly deflected. And God knows what Larice was doing with that. Like, it uh, again makes me so thankful for Ramsey that like, 
that uh Ramsdale. Or Ramsdale, not Ramsey. Don't evoke the wrong the wrong Ram. Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like uh if it hits you in the center of the chest as a keeper, that has to be a save. Ten times out of ten. Like I I, I and I I try and be very forgiving of uh you know defensive mistakes or whatever because you only get a certain number of shots, but that, that has to be a save and it, it, it should have been saved and I'm not going to complain about it at all, but it was, I don't think it was on purpose. I don't think Sokka expected that goal to go in. Yeah. I don't, I, but it, the, the real benefit to him in, in getting into those positions is he does have a, a good shot. He does have a, um, good engine as far as like making sure he can get to that byline and get the space that he needs to get a shot off or a cross or whatever it is. Um, it's nice to see him just taking those chances and feeling confident and you just never know. I mean, you don't know, you can't score unless you shoot it. It's, it is something that I think he is showing that he's feeling confident and I think you can't, you can't overestimate, um, you can't <laughs> you can't underestimate what someone can do when they are feeling confident and and he is just making something out of nothing in this case mm-hmm. and and again you don't expect Larice to miss that but it's a it's a well hit shot I mean it, it it's it's not a shot I'm I'm still gonna say it's not a shot it's a well hit cross <laughs> okay we'll call it a cross but even still it's in the it's in that right spot where you you have to force a decision you have to force somebody to make something happen and. It it seems like a lot of people are saying Larice is kind of past it, and so if you're if you're thinking that's the case, and you're you're better than this guy, you're going to put him into tough positions and mm-hmm. see what he does. No, exactly. And it, again, it, it just reminds me that Arsenal is one of the youngest teams in the league, and you know Ramsdale mm-hmm. is twenty five years old, twenty three, somewhere around there, somewhere somewhere in that twenty early to mid twenty range, and. You you just have to be appreciative of that. That, that like you know goalkeepers get older, and we'll talk about the second goal a little bit. And actually, I'm going to throw it up too, which is that uh, the difference between Lloris is he booted that ball for the second goal up as opposed to trying to play possession, which is the the modern way of playing soccer. And you see why modern teams try and do short passes and short goal kicks because it's a fifty fifty ball if you boot it, and then it can, can just come right back down your throat. And I think like, I, I do have a little bit of respect for Lloris. I think he's done some great things for the French national team. I think he's a good keeper, but he's just showing his age and showing he's of an older generation. And uh, Tottenham is going to have, I've seen some transfer rumors that they're actually looking at, uh, what is it? Uh, not Burnley. Uh, who are the bees? David Raya. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get his key, their keeper. In because they realize that like their keeper position is old, and mm. we have a keeper that is just about like he's hitting his prime and going to be in his prime for the next five years. And I think with the uh, Turner, we have a keeper behind him that's going to be hitting his years good, and he's looked all right. So, yeah, I think we're in a very solid position. And to be to be honest, you know we we had a good, a keeper who won man of the match. So mm-hmm. it, it is in stark contrast on how, how really amazing Ramsdale played in this game. 
Um, he had two or three big saves. Mm-hmm. Really made himself. Um, he, he he earned his paycheck. We'll say. Um, and 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 it's not to say that uh, Tottenham were really. Um, I, I I wouldn't say they were high. Uh, high percentage shots, but you know, there was one where Ramsdale got a foot on it. I think yeah. it was a Sessegnon shot that it, it was, it, it needed a save. Yeah. And, and just, he, he just had those moments where he was able to just be in control. He would go up for the ball. He'd um, really set the pace for the team. And I felt like he, you know, he did his thing. I, 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 I wouldn't say, um, he didn't play in any any part in winding up the no. the crowd behind him, but he also played a lights out game, and I think that as a Tottenham fan who's frustrated with a uh, a, sh- a you know the shutout happening before their eyes here, um, that that I guess Ramsdale played a big role in making sure that Tottenham stayed out of goal, and and that's got to be an extra layer of frustration for uh, the Tottenham fans there that day. So you know it. He he did his his share of talking, but he backed it up with his game for sure. Exactly. I mean, Ramsdale one hundred percent earned that shout out. Like it, it it was a a statement goalkeeping, and yeah, I mean, like I go to soccer games all the time, and as a, a fan, it's just in the uh, the goal end. I give my shit to uh, the away keepers all the time, and the keepers give it back, and Ramsdale deserved the right to give it back, and. You know, when you're going, if we're talking about, I don't know, did he deserve what happened? Of course not. Like, it, it, it is part of the game and you just have to, as a fan, realize that uh, you're going to get some shit talked back to you, especially if you're throwing mm-hmm. shit. And I appreciate it. Anytime a, a player throws shit back, I kind of appreciate it in a way, you know? Yeah. Well, we we kind of get it. We're getting our timeline a little muddled yes. because we we glossed over a second goal in between there, um, and I don't want to I don't want to overlook this goal because oh. really, uh, what else can we say about this guy? Um, great, great, great goal from the captain again, again. I mean, yeah. this guy's leading the team. Who would have Who would have thought? I I mean, I knew he was going to be good, but he. He's blown me away. I love I, I I love Odegaard. I've loved the uh the loan signing. I think I'm very much on record being a big fan of that loan signing. And then we signed him permanently. I was so stoked. And it's uh I think Real Madrid must be kicking themselves in the uh in the backside for letting this talent go because on form right now, he is the best attacking midfielder in the league if not the world right now and it's mm-hmm. he's scoring goals and it's not just scoring goals he's also providing passes really controlling the game and then also being a leader on the field in a way that i i never expected when he when we when we uh made him captain i was skeptical but now i i see what he does which is a very calm very clear leadership and that 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 goal. I mean, it's a typical daisy cutter, like I I think you would call it. It's just on the ground, bouncing around. Although I think of daisy cutter as you get that real like nice. It, it's just it's skimming across the surface a bit more, where yeah. it's kind of a low line drive. Where this it's got some bounce, it's a, so it's gets a 
little more bouncy than you would expect, but it does the trick because it tests Loris was not in the right position to even get get close. You'd call it a worm killer then? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd call it a worm killer. But, uh, I mean, it was like two, again, two kind of mistakes from uh, Loris or one he just booted it and gave possession back to Arsenal. And then uh, there can be some talk that uh, at that speed, that ball shouldn't be going into the net. It wasn't the most powerful of shots. No, I mean, it, it definitely in the right position. It's definitely a savable goal, but you know, it's not, uh, it's not that rocket shot that party had in this game. <laughs> I'm still, uh, I think everybody's still feeling the vibration yeah. of the, the, the post as that thing is still probably shaking in some high frequency because that shot was so hard. Oh, I, w- I think it could have been a hundred miles an hour. I wish it from, gone from Thomas party. <laughs> But uh, it, it felt like there would be a dent in the post from that ball, you know? Holy cow. I, I, I don't even know what would happen to the net if that ball had gone in. <laughs> Caught on fire. That might have been like one that like, yeah, burned a hole through the back. Might have hit a fan and, and, and done some real damage. <laughs> Maybe the same that, fan that I... Had he scored that goal, it could have gone through the net and struck the, the fool who decided <laughs> to come and attack Ramsdale. That's exactly that what I was the thinking. Butterfly effect there. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't know, but uh, in some alternate timeline, yeah, that's what happened. But I mean, like overall, I think that first half was for Arsenal just spectacular. I don't think there was any player that I could pick out that was playing an off game or anything, even in Kedia, like, even though he didn't score. Hashtag New Year's resolution talking positive about Nkedia. Uh, I think Nkedia had a great game without scoring and he had a couple chances himself that first half and he was just playing, right? Like, I just, I, I can't think of a player in the entire Arsenal squad that was off in the first half. No, they they looked really, really solid. And I think the the... The identity was was on on full display. Like they really did play their game, and again, to do that away from home, to do it at your rival stadium, mm-hmm. to not look daunted at all by the moment. Like these young players could easily have been um, thrown by this game, but I feel like they've grown so much as a group this season that it, it never looked like they were at all afraid or playing any differently than they would normally when they were playing at home. And that's huge. I mean, how much do you think uh, their experience of last year and that late game last season that they lost and early affected our Champions League places played mm-hmm. into this game? Uh, I think you, you have to hold that up as like a, a, you know, a measuring stick of how far we've come really, because it is, it is a, it's something to go into a stadium and and have it really not go your way, and that can really become that boogeyman for your, your you and your team. And we've seen veteran players, the veteran teams, struggle with that sometimes. Um, we've seen we've also seen this team collapse in games and mm-hmm. games they shouldn't. Um, so we know we know in the past there's been some mental frailties and so you just don't you for a long time you couldn't put it past arsenal to just kind of 
fall apart and have one of those games and it can definitely be happening during uh the north london derby so to to really feel like that wasn't ever going to be the case like from minute one it just looked like they were going to be in control of this game and they weren't weren't gonna weren't going to be um scared of the moment and i think that from players like um Saka and Odegaard who have gone through this, who've like played together for a while, who are really leaders on this team. Um, it, we, we've, it, it's not like you, you have built up a, a strong core of veteran players. These guys are really raw and young and they're, they've come a long way in a few short years with under Arteta. So it's, it's nice to kind of see all that coming to fruition. These players are starting to really, buy in and they've got three, four, five years of really strong play to come from these guys. And so it's nice to see them kind of overcoming these mental hurdles early on. And it's like, so we have so much more to go from these players still. So as much positive, we talked about the first half. What do you think about the second half? Like, uh, is that telling of what, uh, some weaknesses or, I don't think so because I think it was about weathering that storm and seeing this out. And I, I, even though they were uh, putting shots on on goal a little bit more in this, or Tottenham was putting more shots on goal in the second half, like I said, Ramsdale really stepped up and filled in that gap. And it it wasn't like I didn't feel like uh, Arsenal changed their game all that much. It just Tottenham finally started playing with a little bit more um, persistence, a little bit more. Uh, energy and it seemed like that that was something that Arsenal were really just able to weather through the second half and I think even with um the that two zero uh scoreline being the one of the more dangerous dangerous ones <laughs> can't say dangerous for some reason um it, it is it, it it never felt like it was really at risk even with the shots that were getting put on goal yeah I mean I think uh it is Tottenham's MO to come back in the second half and win the games. And I think it actually is a strength you can point to Arsenal that, that Tottenham wasn't able to do what they'd been doing the last several games. And it, yeah, I would like to have Arsenal control a game from start to finish, 90 minutes, have all the possessions on present possession and zero shots on goals or on goal. Like, I think it was a a sign of how strong the team is that we are able to weather that storm. Yeah, absolutely. And just to see, see the game out to the end and, and play, play a strong 90 minutes. I think we've, um, hopefully turned a corner. Like, I feel like this is definitely a, a sign that Arsenal are on the, on the ascendancy as far as this rivalry goes. And it could be a flash in the pan, you know, it's two games to, 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 win the series for the season, but um I think you can see from where the fans stand, um it's going in two different directions. Yep. I mean I I think London, not only North London, but London itself is definitely red at this point. It's uh definitely. I think there's no doubt. Do you have anything else you want to say about this game? Uh no, I think that it was it that maybe the biggest take the biggest win um, as far as the battle for the next game is making sure that we got our players through without getting those 
fifth yellow cards uh, for Sokka and uh, who's our other one? I don't know. Who's our other? We have a couple players. I know it's Sokka and it's not going to come to me. I have to look it up. Uh, but anyway, we've got players that have been in, in yellow card jeopardy for a bit and they made it. They made it to the, the 19th game. So if they can get through Man United, it resets. <laughs> Uh, but we got the whole team to Man United, yeah. which says something because I think we've been talking about this for a few weeks. That at least we've had a couple of players that have been in in the hot seat for for getting that fifth yellow. But uh, so now that seems like a very good transition into this Man United game coming up uh, mm-hmm. this week. What are your thoughts coming into that game? Well, I. I look at this early season game, well, earlier in the season, and uh, I feel like the 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 way that we played in that game is still pretty much the way we're going to play in this game. I, I feel like the the team has grown, the team has has gotten better because we've won more games and played more. But it's in terms of how we played against Man United, I did feel like we were the better team even though we lost that game, I felt like they played really, Arsenal played really well. They were the better team on the day. They just didn't get the, uh, the break of the ball. But this time around, it feels like we've got the confidence of being in first place. We've been there for a while. We're beating big teams like Tottenham without really, um, I wouldn't say not breaking a sweat, but you know, with, without much trouble, not trouble that we would have seen some years past. So, I do think that first loss was a bit of a, a, a fluke from Arsenal. And in not to say we would go un, unbeaten that whole time, but I just think that on the day we were the better team. And I think we will be the better team again on um, Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, there's a lot more confidence coming into this game. It is also a home game, which uh, mm-hmm. definitely changes things as well. And I mean, Menu is coming in with a bit of confidence. They've had a, a mm-hmm. couple, I mean, the Derby win against City is going to definitely play in their minds. Uh, but I think we're in a much better space. Like when we played them the, the, the last time, just my coming, going back from my feelings, it was like Arsenal was still trying to establish themselves as like we're a team to be contended with, not the mm-hmm. league leaders. And like there's a very different feeling for that, you know? So I think the uh, Arsenal is going to be coming in from a very stronger position. Uh, that being said, I, I mean it's going to be a tough game. I, I like I don't I'm not going to I'm not I don't have the same confidence I had a, with the Tottenham game that I have with this game. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, Manu has ways to hurt us. I think uh, it could be a difficult game, but it like it's going to be a close game. Like I, I do genuinely feel it's going to be a close game and Arsenal may have the edge, but it's, it's definitely a winnable game. Yeah. I think we're in a good position. Like I said, our team, our team survived the, the yellow card, um, suspensions. So we've got a full, full starting 11 available Mm -hmm. to us. Um, sort of, Jesus, but you know, this isn't, you know, I think going into Tottenham, if Enkedia hadn't played really well, we probably would have been 
a little more nervous going into that mm. game. But he's been solid, and I think we, he has proven himself to be um, a reliable player, whether he is scoring or not. Yeah. He's he's going to play the role well. And and we saw from Jesus, he didn't need to be scoring either to be a, an impactful player. And so going through Tottenham, feeling like our, the rest of our team has been able to pick up the scoring slack when Enkedia isn't involved, I feel like we're in a much better spot better space than I thought we would be going into this series of games. Like it just has been a much um, smoother run with Enkedia in there than I thought it was going to be. And so I'm really hopeful that he, you know, even though he didn't have a great game against uh, Tottenham, as far as goal scoring, he again played really well and did what he had to do. And whether he is able to score in this game or not, I think um, this team just has shown that they, it doesn't it doesn't matter who's scoring the goals they're they're going to find ways to hurt you and it looks like man united is is essentially going to be the same team we saw uh the last time around I, they did uh lose a player today and i i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but we do have a question about that should i yeah, add that in I'd here i'd love to hear you um where did i put the question there we go all right i got it here um so we got a question from a user in our Discord. MeanZI has asked us, how beneficial is Casemiro missing out? Uh, feels like he's been a linchpin for United. Uh, that's a pretty big hit for them, but he he was not in the... He had just joined the team uh, this season and hadn't really gotten his feet under him yet with Man United. So I think he only got 10 minutes <laughs> last time we saw him. So... Uh, to me, it's, uh, a big benefit for us. Like I said, our team is intact and theirs is not. Uh, but like if you're comparing the team that we played before and lost to, they didn't, they didn't need him then either. So I, I I don't know how big of an impact that's going to be, but as far as how well they have been playing, he has been a big part of that. So I think it's, it's, it is a big blow for them and, and a great, uh, benefit to us that we're we're gonna get them in a slightly weakened state because they have been playing pretty well. I mean, if uh, FIFA is anything to judge soccer by, Casemiro is a huge part of my uh, 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 what is it? A uh, foot team. My uh, your ultimate, ultimate team. team. Yes, sorry, totally brain farting there. He's a a rock in the midfield to my ultimate team, and it's been amazing for that. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. It's, it's, it's never great to like think about like, you know, the 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 players missing being a big impact on the game because you just want the game to be a good game. But I I do think it's going to be a, a benefit to Arsenal playing, and yeah, you, I, to be honest though, I think uh, Arsenal stacks up great against them with Casemiro or not. Like I. I just think we have the uh, tools to uh, to beat Man United, especially at home. Yeah, as good as he's been, I would say our our midfield duo has really been better than most. I mean, they are the best in the league. I mm. I don't know how how else to put it. That I think the the games that we have won have, especially in the, the case of Tottenham a lot of what worked for Arsenal was keeping the ball in their end and 
it doesn't happen. You don't get those chances. You don't create things if you don't control the midfield and pin teams back and, and not let them get a foothold in the game. And I think party party had moments where he was a little shaky at the beginning, but he had that rocket shot. He had a lot of um, impact in that midfield and Jaka, even when he's not um, being the, the star of the show, he always plays a solid game. I think our midfield is definitely the better of the two, especially if you take Casemiro out of the equation. But I feel like even if he was there, uh, that duo has really been the key to Arsenal's success. So I, I don't see Man United being able to really shut that down at this moment. And that first goal against Tottenham was a party uh, cross, or uh, not cross, but a party ball to Saka to mm. score that goal. And that's something that party definitely offers. And, you know, the resurgence of Jaka in that midfield and Jaka actually playing the, the, the role he was born to play, as it were. Yeah. Has really changed everything. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, a plus for Casemiro not to be there. But I, I, I do think it doesn't really change much for Arsenal because we're going to do what we're going to do. Right, exactly. I think that that is the... Um... One of the, the keys to what Arteta has said in the past, that he wants to really be able to play the way we want to play and take that to other teams, no matter the situation. And I think we're finally gotten to that point where they are consistently going to play the same way, no matter who their opponent is. Mm-hmm. And that that playing without fear and, and, and really taking the game to other teams, that's the key to being like the, the top, top level is really forcing teams to play to you. Yeah, I mean... And- and this is the uh, first time in quite some time where I feel we go into Man U not looking at what we can do to adjust to them, but what they're going to do to adjust to us. Absolutely. The, the, it, it's it's really hard for me like to talk. like Even when we've won the North London Derby, I'm feeling like, oh, okay, should I really be going all in on this team? Like I feel like it's there's some part of me that's like, nope, pull back, pull mm-hmm. back. This you're, you're, you're going to get hurt by this one. If you buy in too much. Oh, you're going to get but, hurt, but. Oh, for sure. But I feel like it's, it's no fun. It's not, it's not great to be on this ride and not buy into it. You know, if you, if you look, if you wait until you can look back and say with confidence that, uh, you know, you've won the whole thing you didn't enjoy the ride along the way. So I'm trying to like really be as positive as I can, even though there's parts of me that's like, okay, even though you won the North London Derby, don't expect you're going to go into Man United and just dominate things. Like there's still a part of me that's like, ah, they, they're, this team is better. Like this, the results may not be the same. I'm, so I, I don't want to be too, too crazy in one direction. Well, I mean, I'm going to bring in, uh, since we're bringing in questions, I'm going to bring in a question from Jonathan King Manilas if it loads on my computer, which is, uh, will a win on the weekend convince you all that we can take the league? And it for me, it kind of goes into that of I'm I'm bought in at this point that we're 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 19 games into the season, just halfway through. There's a lot of things that can mm-hmm. go. And win the league might be a, a still a big stretch. I'm still not necessarily like thinking, but I think I can confidently say at this point we're in the conversation, which is a very different thing from where we've been previously. Like previously, we've been looking at like top four. 
And that's the com- where the conversation ends. At this point, I'm very much in the conversation of this is a, a campaign to try and win the league. And whether we do or not, like whether uh, the expectations of that are a different thing, but we are in this conversation right now because we've shown against every other team than City, who we haven't played yet, but every other team, we've shown that we are at that level. And even in the loss against Man United, as you mentioned, we were very good in that loss. And I don't, I remember that I wasn't too disappointed by that loss because we showed good. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm coming in with swagger. I'm, 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 I'm coming in to this game with the idea that it's not going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a close game. We may lose this game. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I expect us to win this game and it's going to be an easy victory, but I expect that among the best teams, we are going to show ourselves well, which has not been the case for the last, since we started this podcast for sure. (laughs) Well, it is funny to, you know, only an Arsenal fan would be eight points clear in first place and be like, well, you know, we're in the conversation Mm -hmm. for taking the league. But, you know, it's like we can't, we're not there yet. And I think that that is an acknowledgement that all fans have to make in that, again, we are ahead of schedule and anything we get beyond Champions League is is icing on the cake. I don't think we can really hold them to the fire if they don't win the league this year. Yeah. But uh, it is nice to be where we're at right now. Well, and I'm I'm okay with this journey even if it does fall off the rails a little bit, I don't expect to like win every game from here to the end of the season. That's not a realistic expectation right now. Well, I mean, I will like uh, to throw a damper on the, 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 the exciting party. Like we're eight points ahead, but six of those points are against city. We've yet to play city Mm -hmm. this, this year. And you know, the, the equation changed drastically if we lose both those city games. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you're only two points ahead and that's, you know, still ahead, but it's still a, a, a race. So like, you know, you have to damper that. Remember that we have not played city and we have, yeah. you know, city coming up in the cup and we have a cup like the city is still a good team. I don't like city. Mm-hmm. I don't want to recognize that, but they are still a good team. And, you know, pound for pound if i were gun to the head i'd be a little bit nervous about those games you know it it, not to get too far ahead in our season here but you know the 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 boogeyman for arteta has certainly been city in his terms of he has tried to unlock that team so hard and you see him making tweaks and and really putting his all into how he sets up for Mm -hmm. playing against city. And this may be the first time I would say, don't change anything. And I think he would agree. I think he's got it. He's got it dialed in to where they, they look like they could go toe to toe and it wouldn't be uh, uh, a scrawny guy against a bruiser. You know, it would be, a, a couple middleweight champions going after each other. And that's, that's a testament to the pieces that have been brought in and the balance that we found. And um, I think 
for once Arteta can really go in with confidence and say, we can go head to head with City and we don't have to play afraid. That's whether it's, uh, you know, looking at the league table or going to play them. I feel like we can really feel like at this point we can make a run at it. But if you're asking me as a fan, can I uh, say after the United game that we're going to win the league? I'd say not really until we've played one of our city games and we can really take a, a, a true measure of where we're at. And it's also not to overlook United because earlier in the season, United was struggling, but they are definitely picking up the pace at this point. And I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, for them, getting rid of Ronaldo was kind of the same idea of us getting rid of Azul or uh, getting rid of uh, Aubameyang. It's mm-hmm. changed how that team is playing. And uh, it's going to be a tough test. I, I'm i excited about the game. I'm nervous about the game. I wish I was more confident. But it's, you know, it's going to be a game. It's, it's going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout on either side. I think it's going to be a close, contested, fought game. I think it's going to be closer than the, uh, the Tottenham game that we just played. And... <laughs> you know we'll have to see yeah i think it's it's going to be a, a a tough tough game i don't i don't want to downplay it at all as far as how how difficult they're going to make things but i i do feel like arsenal have every reason to feel like this is a a game that they can go go and win especially at home yeah do you have anything more to say on the uh menu game you know, I don't on the Man United game, but I realized we didn't really circle back to the the incident oh. after the game at Tottenham, <laughs> and it, it is kind it is kind of it, it is kind of separate from the game because it it is it's something that happened after the whistle. Um, but I did I did want to talk about this again because we actually we have a question about this somewhat. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you could kick a Tottenham player, who would it be? And who else besides Kane? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first answer would be Kane. I think that's just generally. Uh... Uh, yeah, Kane. Kane. I, I I would have at one point I would have said Kane and then Son. But then I think Richarlison is my enemy number one now. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I am a voice in the wilderness. I, I don't like Son. <laughs> mm. I actually do not like him. I don't think he... Like people have this like a uh, story of Son as this like innocent like just good player and everyone likes him and uh, as I always say I remember when he broke someone's leg and like on a bad tackle that was malicious and mm-hmm. so he but yeah Richarlison which is funny because do you remember when we were in for him he almost became an Arsenal player uh, and he would have been one of those Arsenal players that are begrudgingly like maybe question mark. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the quick answer is Richarlison, but that, that, that this kind of moves into the question of like, what happened with that whole incident? What, what, like, what are your feelings on that whole thing? Well, what I think happened off camera um, before, because it really didn't cut over to him, and it, it it didn't really cut over to Ramsdale until Charleston was starting to mm-hmm. poke him and bug him and uh, get in his face. And I think Ramsdale did the badge kiss and kind of 
smile at the t- at the uh, Tottenham fans and I heard that wind, wind them up a bit. I heard that Timbers. <laughs> um, and uh, he, you know, he he probably did enough to get the into those fans' heads well before the whistle blew. That um, when he made to go get his water bottle and, and gear after the whistle, he Richarlison reacted. Was like, "Don't go mess with my fans." And I think there, I I don't know what if if nobody had gotten involved, who knows what Ramsdale would have done. But he walked over very innocently to with the security guard to go grab his things, yeah. and that's when a Tottenham fan jumped the wall and and essentially kicked him in the back. I don't know if it was uh, very hard. It, it didn't look like there was much in it because he was kind of balancing on the wall. But I mean, kick kick is almost an exaggeration, and it was a, uh-huh. a you know younger. Like I would say, like what twelve, fourteen. I'm bad at kids' age, but. He wasn't. Was he that young? I thought it was a, a grown ass. Oh, man. did you think it was a grown ass man? I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know if I could see his face very well. I felt it was a, a younger person, but uh, I could be wrong on that. But uh, okay. I thought my my first thought is that doesn't happen with Richarlison doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And in game, if Richarlison did what he did, it would be a straight red card. Right. I don't know why that didn't get looked at. I feel like that the the league needs to be taking a look at that since it happened when, in plain view. And it's it's kind of annoying because like we've gotten like what four fines for our, our actions after games, right? Mm. And I haven't heard anything about Tottenham or Richarlison getting any extras after that. And that was far worse than anything Arsenal's done after a game. I I mean, a lot of the fees and fines have come from the FA saying that they were acting inappropriately towards the referee and they weren't under control. This, I feel like, is worse. Yeah. I mean, the players, and especially, fan, I mean, the fan, the, the guy's going to get his, his ban. Uh, so, you know, he's he's done, which sucks. If he's a kid, that sucks. You have, you know, you just lost your favorite team or yeah. what I would assume is it your favorite team for whoever long, you know, your life, uh, I guess. That like, should be a lifetime ban, in my opinion. Yeah. Stepping across, getting onto the field and physically assaulting a player, even though it was a BS assault, but. Oh, sure. But I mean, yeah. it's, there's no, there's no minimum to that. I feel like any player comes out and lays hands or any fan comes out and lays hands at all on a player Usually, there's some repercussions for that. Even running out onto the field would be there would be repercussions for but that. But like besides the fan, like I really do think Richarlison, there there should be more talk because as I said, I don't think that fan comes out and does that if Richarlison isn't laying hands on Ramsdale's face. And as I said, we've been getting all these fines. People have been talking about like Arsenal's emotions and whatever after mm-hmm. the game, and. That was far more egregious than anything Arsenal's done, in my opinion. Like, yeah, absolutely. And there hasn't been that talk. And I don't, I, I just, I mean, again, I know I have my rose colored glasses and people maybe uh, have different opinions, but I, I don't understand why that is not getting more looked at with Richarlison. And that, I mean, uh, in my opinion, at the very least, it should be a, a post game red card, hands to the face is oh, totally. hands to the face. And right. just because a whistle is blown, I've seen red cards given after whistles blown several times. And mm-hmm. I have not 
I like I was very surprised. Like after the game, I got off work uh, several hours later at like two or three o'clock in the morning. So it was the next day in England. And I saw no really people writing about it or like any like thing about it. It was just like, oh, that happened. Haha, <laughs> guy kicked Ramsdale in the back, whatever. Guy will get a ban. But I think Richarlison really has to take some of the blame for that. Yeah, I hope I hope somebody's looking at this stuff, but I imagine it's not going to change much. <clears throat> Which is, I mean, for me, it's just so annoying that Arsenal has been mm. getting all these fines and people talking about it and talking about the old discipline and that's just like getting glossed over. Right. Um, I do feel like we are uh, due for some of those, uh, those calls to happen. I mean, I don't, I guess I don't care if he gets a card after the game as, as much as I would like, you know, some of those crappy fines and fees or to turn into some calls in our favor. Like yeah. some things need to, to balance out a little bit. Um, whether Richarlison gets his, his due, um, I'm not sure, but it'd be nice if we could start avoiding the fines altogether. I just, yeah. it seems like there are some weird vendetta. Well, I mean, it, it's weird because like, it's just passion. Like I don't, like, as I said, like when I've watched, I, I was actually shocked to see that like Arsenal's been getting all these fines post games. Cause it's just like people being very excited after the game. And I don't know. And, you know, I heard uh Richarlison was uh, complaining to Martinelli about going to ground too early, which is hilarious to me. Like, yeah, like he he can say anything. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Well, we've got <clears throat> we've got a, a a huge game ahead of us, so I feel like we have to have to put this Tottenham stuff behind us and and really just accept that we're the winners, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how much complaining the fans or the players do. <laughs> we we got the win. We're top of the league, and it doesn't even matter. It does not. Um, there, there was one more bit of. Uh, I don't want to end on a sour note, but the the transfer market is in full swing, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention it at least a little bit. Um, one of one of the only deals that uh, was in the works, it sounded like, was uh, the Mudrik deal from um, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, and he. He ultimately did not end up signing with us, which it seems to be a running trend um, where we're getting either players who have no uh, intention of going with us or a bigger team is uh, swooping in. Or, bigger team, you know, I wouldn't in, say bigger. Well, I was thinking more of Lafovich with the uh, Juventus, but you know, um, in this case, it's just they're a, a team who can throw more money around. and. Uh, I think in my mind, the Mudrik deal is is a bullet dodge because I feel like we were going to way overspend on a player that had no real, uh, he had tons of potential, but no, no real uh, experience on his resume. I mean, I when I heard the terms of the deal, I was actually right before I was watching the uh, the Derby live at the, uh, the, or not live, it was a replay of the, the game and my buddy, Jordo, friend of the podcast, Jordo, like came in and told me about the the deal 
that didn't happen for us, but happened. Mm-hmm. I was shocked by that deal because at the end of the game, like he could be an amazing player. He could have a lot of talent in him. But what, $111 million transfer fee and an eight-year contract? That is crazy to me. I, I don't want an eight-year contract for that. Because like, like Modric has a lot of Pepe in my mind, mm-hmm. which is yeah. he's played less than 50 games for Shakhtar Donetsk. I think he wanted, I want to say he's played 36 games for Shakhtar Donetsk, scored six goals this year for Shakhtar Donetsk. Scored three goals in Champions League, including two against uh, uh, Celtic, Celtic, which yeah. is like, you know, no offense to Celtic, but it's it's not like the 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 the, the highest of competition. And you're going to spend that much money for him? I mean, he could turn out to be the best player in the world. I don't necessarily think, and I think it's more you have to doff your cap to Shakhtar Donetsk and say they did a good job of marketing the player because. Previously, he was going to Bayer Leverkusen for twenty million, mm-hmm. and they increased his value by eight eighty million. I'm, I we don't need it. Like I'd rather we could get three, four other players for that. Oh and, yeah, and we should. Like why and not then, go get and, <laughs> and the thing that like really gets me is the eight year contract. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's very few players in the world including certain Arsenal players that I would sign to an eight-year contract. And I, you said it. I think we dodged a bullet with that one. That like, I think we could have gone all in, pulled him out. He's not even going to start, to be honest. He'd be starting in Martinelli's position. At this point, I wouldn't replace him with Martinelli. Martinelli has been great. He's a, he would have been a bench-slash-replacement player for this year. And so if you're looking at like this year specifically, he wasn't the player for this year. If right. you're looking for the future, I think there's going to be 10 other players we can find in the summer. I'm always, I always hate the winter transfer window as far as I don't hate it, but I, like it's not the, the, the window in which you're going to get good deals. And I think right. this shows it and, you know, bless Chelsea for doing that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they've totally like screwed the market for that, that type of player. I mean, He's unproven in in terms of Premier League. He's got just no no experience in, at, at that level. So I don't know why you'd take a runner on with that much money. I just it, it is made even so that means like players who do have experience are going to be fifty million plus. I mean, like that could be. I, I I I it totally raises the level of where where you can the the starting prices for a winger. Well, I mean, right I think it, the market corrects itself. Uh, I think this is a stupid move on Chelsea as opposed to a, a, a showing of where the market is going. I mean, the market's going expensive and da da da. But uh, I think it's more that Chelsea's, the owner and the people running the transfers don't know what they're doing and they're getting very hosed. You can see it with the uh, Joao Felix, who's another player I actually like. I like Joao Felix. I play him on my... Uh, my ultimate team. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a lot of time for that, but those economics are not smart and you're spending your money now for that. And I don't think other team, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a Chelsea every time that's going to swoop in for that, you know, 
because right. what that uh, transfer needed was a Chelsea, a, a, a team that's willing to spend stupid money and put a stupid contract in. It is a stupid contract. I well, it, it, some of that might be to like spread out the cost, yeah. but still, I, I like what do you you're what are you going to end up doing with that player in the long term? Yeah. I mean, maybe it ends up looking like a, a master stroke because he comes comes good and they've got seven years of contract left well, with him that, that somebody's going to have to pay. Well, I mean, for. The, the thing is, it's like it comes, if it comes, if he actually comes good, which I mean, I'm not going to talk trash on him. Like I hope he does well as a human being or whatever, but if he actually becomes the next, if he actually becomes worth that contract, he's going to try and renegotiate re- his contract. And that the, the contract that they signed, like, you know, he could go on strike or whatever and not play games and, I just, I really, I see it as a Pepe deal, which is that, you know, we got screwed over on that Pepe deal with, uh, was it Leon? I want to say it, French team. I believe it was Leon. Lille. Lille, not Leon. Lille, which is that they played hardball. We ended up paying what they wanted for him, but he wasn't worth that money. He wasn't worth the money at the time. But I don't think it's a, general trend and i think there are players you just you have to be smart at these things you know and i think it's Mm -hmm. actually a a benefit of arsenal that we didn't sign it because it shows that they are smart that there is a level that they're not going to go to for that you know yeah i think there are some people that were saying like now you've tipped your hand and said you're willing to spend this much i'm like well they're willing to spend it on the right player at the right time and the right setup that's what they proved and so they're going to have what their valuation is of a player. Yeah. And if teams aren't willing to meet them on that, they're going to walk away. I think that's the only thing that they've shown. And they didn't get really, I mean, had they paid that, I think, I mean, they were somewhere in that ballpark. I think it was more the structure yeah. than the, the value of the player. So it, what would we be saying if we'd bought this player? I mean, I think... um I'd be pretty excited about the potential of them, but I think even still, that is a cost that that has to really have some dividends within this, like some showing this season and really be a player for the future when you get to Champions League. And I don't know by what he has shown, whether that's a guarantee. Well, it's, I look at the same way I look at the Gakpo, which is like when we're looking at strikers and we're actually far more in need of a striker than we were of a... Uh, a, a player of that position and mm-hmm. Gakpo. I mean, it's early on. He's only started a couple games for Liverpool, but he like, it's exactly what it was. It was like, it was well overpriced for what he is. And there are players like there are players that can make a more immediate impact that you can sign as opposed to just paying this money for whatever reason. And again, like, he could be amazing. He could be the best player ever recorded or whatever, but I just see on what he's done so far. And I'm like, mm. like if we could have signed him earlier, like last, I know we were uh, in on my last window too, and it just didn't quite work out. That would have been a better signing, but like, I just, it's not worth it. Especially with Arsenal, we don't have the, uh, the funds that, you know, I would say, you know, the Newcastles, uh, the uh, the cities. I was surprised that Chelsea's put this much money out because they don't have the same money that they used to. 
So we have to be smarter with our money. And this that was not a smart deal at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that getting getting things right is way more important important than getting players in. I know it's it's tough to think that we might not get somebody in this window, but like I said, it is um if we're playing for the long term, if we're looking to build a, the correct team to not just get to Champions League but actually stay there, then you can't make stupid short-term decisions that screw over your yeah. summer transfer window as you're going into the tra- Champions League. We need more deals like uh, Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, mm-hmm. than we do that deal, you know? Yeah. But I, I fully expect that they should put some good money down to get the right player in if that is available in this window because I think definitely reinforcements are needed if we're going to complete this mission yeah. of... of staying in the top four and, and potentially winning the league. Well, I mean, I, I think staying in the top four, I do actually believe at this point, I mean, I'm knocking on wood. We have a team that can make the top four and that's yeah. the original goal. And as I said, I don't love the winter window. You, It's littered with horrible signings, the winter window. It's, we have this conversation in summer and we have this happen in the summer. That's a, different discussion because I would be very disappointed in coming into next year if we don't have some major reinforcements that we expect to to do well. And then we saw that last summer, which is Jinchenko and Jesus. Those were major reinforcements mm-hmm. that have affected the team. Unfortunately, Jesus has gotten injured, but those are major reinforcements that have affected the team and put us in the place. And if we can get two more signings like that in the summer, I don't care what happens in the winter, to be honest. Because I do feel like the team that we have as constructed should get us through the top four. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy with another winger if we could find one at the right price. I I think if we could do that or a central midfielder or an all out. Well, the striker one's tough because I feel like once Jesus does come come back, it would really depend on the type of player that we were able to get. But because that position is is really just generally hard to recruit. I for. mean, because I, I I see this thing season with the winger, like you know, you have a uh, God, I'm totally forgetting his name, a uh, Portuguese guy, young guy that's just getting into the team. Oh, uh, Vieira, you have him mm-hmm. that could be taking some of those minutes. You have yeah. Emil Smith Rowe coming back. Like I think there's a lot of cover. Mm-hmm. Like I think we should really be looking for some sort of striker more for coverage for Inkedia than anything else that we mm. just we just need because if Inkedia gets injured we're we're screwed we're boned but uh and it would be a short term uh deal for that but uh you know it's not the end of the world to be honest like the 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 thing i see is that this season is cake this season is a bonus if we get anything more than champions league and then we move forward. Yeah, and and that does change the picture quite a bit if we do make Champions League. I mean, I think you can you can plan for that now. You can try to get players in that can play at that level. You certainly don't want to undershoot that and saddle yourself with a player that's not going to be at that quality because you are going to have to rotate. You need you need consistency and players that can push the players in front of them. You can't really uh, low ball and get the wrong. Uh, the, the wrong profile of player just because you, you need to bring somebody in this season. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's better to to wait and and get the right right type of player that can help you this season uh, or that can help you beyond this season. Exactly, and that's why I like I look at Vieira and I'm like seeing him play the couple of times that he has. He's starting to get into the groove of things, and I'm I'm pretty high on Vieira at this point. Yeah. But there's there's interesting players out there. I just don't know what, if if there's somebody that can really meet what what Arteta is probably looking for, and that's somebody who can play across the band because you really need um, somebody who can fill in for Martinelli. You know, he likes those kind of utility mm-hmm. players that can come in at different positions. So I, I could see it, it being somebody who can play both wings or a wing and striker. Or, you know, um, move around depending on what's needed in a game. Yeah, and. It's it's weird just from my end watching soccer as a whole. There's not a lot of interesting players available in my mind as far as like the known quantities. So it's going to be mm-hmm. for me the front office identifying players that I've never heard of or don't uh-huh. really pay attention to that much getting into this conversation just like Modric or Mudrik was but uh yeah, I mean, we'll see. But I, I think that, to be honest, end of story, I think it was it was too much money. And I think we dodged a bullet. For sure. Unless he becomes the next Ronaldo or Messi. And... Yeah, we might want to erase this tape later yeah. on. Tape? What am I talking about? <laughs> All right. Well, I think we could wrap it up there. We've, got, we've hit our quota for the week and uh, covered just about everything we wanted to cover. So... Uh, thank you all for joining us. I really appreciate if you've stuck with us through this episode and, and beyond. Um, review and subscribe wherever you're listening to us right now. We'd really appreciate it. If you know another Arsenal fan that likes podcasts, pass us along. That's even better. Uh, theme song coming from Bobcat. You know them. We talk about them every week. Go check out their website, bobc.at. Their album and more, it can be found there. Um, Twitter, if you want to reach out to us on there, it's at W of N London. Uh, follow us there for latest episodes and, uh, you can send us your questions there as well as emailing them to us at West of North London at gmail.com. Uh, voicemails can go to anchor.fm slash West of North London slash message. And the best way to send us questions and join in on game day chats and more is through our Discord, which you can find a link to in our show notes. Uh, a lot of our questions come from that route. So if you want to be part of that conversation that we have every week, you just can send send us uh, or join us on the Discord and send us your questions there. All right. I'm so done talking. <laughs> so as always, see you at the next gun show. <laughs>